Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the NBA DFS Today podcast by Sports Ethos. I am your host, Keith Cork, and you guys are lucky because you're tuning in to another one of our strategy sessions, DFS strategy sessions. This time, we are talking with Mr. Tim Spiros, and we're going to be discussing when to fade the field and when we go with the field here. So when do we fade the field? Uh, That's kind of our general topic today for the strategy session. But uh, Tim, uh, Tim Spiros, he is a former NBA player development uh, guy as well as a statistician. And he's the current DFS creator over at Spiros Bros Fantasy Sports, uh, where he does good work over there as well. So, Tim, uh, I know we've kind of rotated and, and been around in the same circles, but we haven't really had a chance to talk person to person. So this is not only a chance for us to talk DFS, it's also a chance for us to meet each other. So how are you, man? And uh, thank you for coming on the pod. Yeah, I, I'm doing great, Keith. Uh, it's great to finally meet you and, and see you. Not on Twitter. Um <laughs> Appreciate you having me on and uh, looking forward to diving into some good strategies to help the listeners. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, and Tim, so, you know, I always like to ask people when we do these strategy sessions just to kind of give the listeners out there an idea of who, you know, we're talking to and whose brain we're picking. You know, tell us a little bit about your story. I mean, you know, formerly involved with some NBA organizations, it looks like, as well as, uh, you know, your, your, your history as a fan and as a DFS player. So I know it's a lot there, but if you can kind of give us, you know, Kind of a brief brief synopsis at uh, how you came here to this pod. Sure. Yeah, well, I've always been a huge sports fan. I used to watch the NBA All-Star Games when I was a kid and do all the dunks on my uh, Nerf hoop in my basement. Um, but uh, I got involved with in sports uh, as, a, as a profession. Um, shortly after I finished college, uh, I um, started writing a blog. It was called Left Hand Layup, and it's it's still out there. I still own the domain name, Uh, but it was just all about different kinds of sports. I did a few uh, rundowns of like team previews for NBA, some random stats articles. I've always been a lover of stats, um, and especially NBA. Uh, But from there. Uh, I went to decide I want to work in sports full time. So I got into grad school at Georgetown uh, and got my master's in sports management. And I was able to land a position with the Washington Mystics in their basketball operations department. Nice. I was working with the GM and the coaching staff. uh, So I really got involved with some advanced statistics, working with them, providing some advanced scouting reports for the games coming up keeping track of like hustle stats on the bench during games stuff that, yeah. you know, they didn't keep track of tip balls and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, I got a job at the league office, NBA league office in New York uh, in the player development department, which was all off the court life skill development for oh, okay. the players um, focusing a lot on the rookies and the rookie transition program. Uh, and, also dealing with um, retired players and helping them get into you know the professional world uh, out of basketball. So that was a really cool experience. Uh, got to meet a lot of the players, had some great experiences, um, got to do some really fun events, uh, and, and learned a lot around uh, a lot of smart people. Um, but then after that, I started a family uh, mm-hmm. and moved out to California um, was able to start working with the Golden State Warriors as a youth basketball coach. And then I landed a position with 
the uh, Santa Cruz Warriors, which was uh, at the time the uh, D League. They were transitioning to the G League um, while I was there. So that was a cool experience to be a part of. Um, but I was a statistician for all the home games, uh, sat right on the floor, um, putting all the stats into the computer. So all the live stats that you saw on all the other platforms like NBA.com and ESPN, yeah. and all those things, um, those are coming directly from my inputs on the laptop. Nice. Uh, and got to do a few NBA games for the Golden State Warriors uh, while I was part of that team as well. Um, and that was my professional experience. And then I had a bunch of kids and started (laughs) playing DFS and, um, really got involved with that. Uh, and the past couple of years I've been writing for a few different outlets, uh, giving advice and playing a bunch of DFS in the past year, um, since prize picks launched, uh, really got into doing player props. So that's mainly, uh, what I focus my research on now. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and uh, I always see your prize picks posts out there because it looks like you're hitting pretty pretty regularly. So uh, kudos to you, because man, I can because you always have to have at least two plays. So I can never seem to uh, <laughs> seem to get the ones the right ones together. I always have like three or four, and it's like one will miss, you know, obviously. But uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm player props myself, but I'm keeping it simple, sticking to one, sticking to the sports books. But yeah, uh, that's awesome, man. And I, uh, you know, it's it's interesting that you did the um. Statistics type, uh, you know, tracking type thing. I did that before my dad's uh, junior college that he coached for. So, you know, I'm a little bit of a step down from you. I'm not going to take my own horn. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, uh, that's awesome, man. That's uh, a storied uh, history there. So you guys are out there. You know, you know Tim. Tim knows what he's talking about. He's been around the game a lot. And, um, you know, definitely a knowledgeable guy. So interested to pick your bait, man. But let's, you know, turn the topic here uh, to DFS. And I know you've been playing for a while now. I'm in the same boat as you. Started a family. Uh, stuck at home working from home so dfs kind of fits that uh that mold there to to kind of scratch the itch of uh being competitive and, and being involved in sports but uh but so you know our topic today is when do we fade the field and let me ask you you know first off tim do you play a lot of uh gpps cash um you know when you play dfs are you looking for large fields small fields like what's your player profile what are you usually getting into uh so i've been playing dfs since 2014 mm. off and on I started with NFL and didn't know what I was doing. Lost a ton of money. Um, but probably about 2018, I picked it up pretty seriously. Um, and I don't play cash games anymore. Um, I did for a while trying to manage and build my bankroll and stuff. But um, I wasn't really building my bankroll playing cash games. Uh, and I just found that my skill set and strategy um works a lot better with gpp so i mainly mainly play uh single entries um but i tend to throw one or two lineups or occasionally i'll do 20 lineups um in the large field stuff yeah so yeah keeping uh keeping it to a, a manageable amount that's the same way i am too like i'll, I'll you know, like, like you said i'll probably play like maybe if i'm feeling pretty confident about a slate i'll put in you know seven eight nine ten lineups but for the most part i'm i'm sticking to the single entry stuff so i'm actually exactly the same as you so this will be good um but you know we're talking about like so obviously this this actually builds really well because my last strategy session was actually with stan sun who's actually a mutual 
a friend of ours. We uh, we both uh, worked for Raz Ball for a short while there, uh, and that's kind of where we met. But uh, with Stan, uh, you know, I was talking to him about son. I should call him. I was talking to him about um, you know when how do you ident- how do you identify who is chalk? So this is a good kind of like follow up to that. And this is like when we do identify that chalk is there, and we know these people. You know, this guy's going to have 50, 60, 70 percent ownership. You know, when is it a smart idea for me to say, you know what? I'm taking this guy that has 10 percent ownership instead. And I'm, you know, being GPP players, we do that quite often, right? That's what we're. That's the opportunity we're looking for. We're mm-hmm. looking for, hey, this guy's going to have crazy high ownership. I don't want that. I want this 10 percent guy. But we also have to ensure that you know we're getting a, a similar uh, output, right, or a better output uh, in you know per dollar with that guy. So you know, just talk to me a little bit about like. How do you do that mental calculus? You know, where where do you decide? You know, hey, Russell Westbrook is playing in in in, you know, obviously he's not in Lakers anymore, but LeBron James is out, Anthony Davis is out, he's going to be chalk. Uh, You know, I'm playing him or I'm fading him. You know, what in that situation, what runs through your mind? Yeah, so we can actually use that same example, but with Mm D'Angelo Russell from tonight. Yeah. Um, Last night when I was doing my research, I was like, oh, they're playing Houston. Got the the news that Anthony Davis wasn't playing. Yeah. Okay, so I'm like, oh, his you know his fantasy points per minute are are so high without Davis and LeBron on the field. He looks great. You know, he's a three point shooter. Houston gives up a lot of threes, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna hit all of his player props. I'm definitely playing him. And then today, as the day went on, the more and more I thought about it and realized. Uh, how many other people were talking about him and yeah. how high the ownership was going to be and looking at his price. And I was just like, mm-hmm. you know what? I don't, I don't know that the Lakers are going to win this game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's, it's one of those things where I think you fade a guy like this is the chalk. A lot has to do with recency bias. I think is like yeah. the last two games he he crushed. Yeah. He really outplayed uh, his price, got major value out of him, um, and he had two really awesome games. Uh, and so you think, oh, well, they're playing a team that's not very good, but and Anthony Davis is out, so he's going to do even better. Um, but when half the field is playing a guy like that, and it's not like he was cheap, you know, yeah. his price, he wasn't he wasn't like six six thousand dollars for you know he was like I think eight thousand yeah. tonight for a guy who probably is usually hovering around seven. Um, got to that point and I realized he's not not the greatest play. He's not gonna. I really don't think he's gonna hit that fifty point. It's one of those things where I feel like the more and more I think about somebody and the more I think it's a great play and the more I hear that everyone else is playing him, it's just one of those things where, like, it's just not going to come through tonight. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing that goes through my mind as well. I mean, I immediately, when I saw D'Angelo Russell um, and I heard Anthony Davis is out, I was like, you know what? (laughs) This guy's crapped the bed before. I've been witness to it. I was, you know, really big on the Wolves. Uh, last season, so I watched a lot of D'Lo, actually, and um, there's a lot of variance to his game, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. we can't count on that guy to, and, and that's why I brought Wessel Westbrook as my example, because that's yeah. absolutely a guy that's like, you know what, I can't count on him 
to absolutely crush it, have a good game. So I think for me, that's where I kind of make that decision where I'm like, you know what, um, at least, you know, I play large field GPPs uh, fairly often. I just kind of throw a couple lineups in there just to see how I do. Um, and so I'm thinking like, you know, hey, this, 30% of this field or more, I'm going to have this guy. And I'm looking at him and I'm saying, you know, he could have 50, 60 DK points or, or whatever, you know, uh, 50, 60 fan duel points. And that would probably mean that everyone that rostered him, those 30% of people, are going to win and, you know, some kind of money. Not not very much because everyone's got them, but they're going to win. You know, they're going to hit the money line. Uh, but he could also, on the flip side of that, he could have, you know, a 25-point DK point you know, night. Um, his shot's just not falling. He has turnovers. Uh, you know, it's a guy that's got a lot of variance to his game. So, so at that point, that's when it becomes to me, it's like I'm absolutely pivoting off this guy. I'm not. I'm going to fade him. I'm going to fade the chalk. And I'm gonna, I'm just going to take you. You're taking your chances, right? You're not. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee that doing that works either. There's no crystal ball here. Like, I don't know for a fact that D'Lo is going to have a bad game. I did bet his unders on three pointers, which I was sweating all night because he shot 11 of them. <laughs> but luckily, <laughs> only 11, 3.5. And he uh, he only hit three. So there you go. Uh, he did crap the bet enough for me to win some money on him tonight. But uh, but yeah, so that's. Um, but that's a good point, though. You know, it's 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 a, it's just about like you know, like if we're talking about a guy that's like three thousand, right? Um, which here's a good, another good example. So you know, we're looking at, um, and I'm gonna butcher, butcher his name like I've been doing all week, Sandro Mamukashvili. <laughs> I couldn't even. I didn't even type his name out in my player yeah. pool today because yeah. <laughs> it's just too long. Sandro. Just put. Just yeah, he's, he's like he's like Giannis, but yeah. not quite there yet. But he was, I think he was 3,100, and, um, you know, he was, like, 54% owned in GPPs. I think even though he shut the bed, didn't have a good game, um, I still think that's a, a, like, I'm not fading that shock just because of that price point. You know, he's he's 3K, basically. He's basically yeah. minimum pricing. Um, if he doesn't have a good game, it doesn't sink me at all um, because there's just so little investment there. So maybe you can speak a little bit more to that, you know being a guy that's worked a little bit more at the higher, higher level with numbers. I mean, I have a, I took a statistics course in college. That's as far as I go. I did the, I did the junior college, uh, you know, uh, tracking, but that's as far as I go. But, you know, for me, um, I mean, when we're talking about like, you know, how much of your salary are you investing in a guy? If it's a three, $3,000 guy, I mean, that's really just talk that you just don't fade, right? Yeah. I, I played, played him tonight in all my lineups. Uh, I think, when a player is, is starting, um, a lot of people think that's really important, and and a lot of times it is, but other times it's not. They might say, "Oh, this guy's not starting, so I'm not going to play him tonight." Um, but with a guy like that at a price point like that, he's starting. It's also about the opportunity with with the chalk. So it's like you really need to look at the lineup and say like who in this lineup that is starting is going to do what, you know, like, so his game, I don't know what his point per minutes are when he's played. Cause obviously he hasn't played very much in the past few years. Um, but in that lineup, it's like, okay, well he should, if he plays 30 minutes, he should get at least eight rebounds and have, you know, opportunity to score 10 points. Like, you know, if he scores 18 to 20 fantasy points, at 50 or 60% owned for minimum price, like that's fine. Like I'll take it. Like, I really don't think he's going to get less than that. 
You know, I think yeah. I think guys with those price tags of 3K or minimum price or 3,500 or whatever, I think the floor you kind of know what it is, and if and if they hit the floor, like it's fine. You know, it's, it can't get worse than 18 points really for a guy who's going to play 30 minutes. Yeah. But as I have a guy like like Russell, who's like 8,000. Right. <laughs> there's so many so many players below that price tag that could outscore him regardless of what kind of opportunity he has. So, um, you know, when a guy is on DraftKings, you know, below 4k and they're walking into major minutes, um, that's, you know, the chalk that I'll play every time. Yeah. I'm actually looking at Sanders' line tonight. I um, didn't realize he actually ended up with a pretty decent line, 10.7 rebounds, two assists. Uh, so pretty decent, you know, 22.7 DK points in that 3,100 price tag. I mean, that's that's good. It's, and in my, in my GPP I played, he was 63.6% on. So it's like everyone had him. Why not, you know? Even if somebody had somebody that was 3,400 and ended mm-hmm. up scoring, you know, 30 DK points or something like that, it's not, like, good for you. But you don't have to think that hard about it. You, you should save your your brain power for other choices yeah, down the slate. I think it's like there's a pretty good chance the winning lineup probably had him mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, actually, I'll check here. Number one, we're almost done here. I think there's still some time here, but huh? is the Clippers Warriors game still going on? Yeah, I think it might be. Yeah, it's got a minute left. It's basically done though. The winning lineup here in my GPP did not have him, but still, I mean, they had their lowest cost guy was actually Kobe White, which is actually a good, a good pivot there. But um, you could actually theoretically have both those guys in lineup and been fine, I think. So it is what it is. But no, I think generally speaking, that is uh, that is what we we're talking about though. You know, if it's if it's a guy that you're not investing a whole lot in, uh, doesn't really matter if it's even a high variance guy. So um, now for you, Tim, is there Certain players that you look at, you know, are there certain players that you just won't play? Like, they're chalk, and you're just like, you know what? No, I'm not going with that guy. Or do you, like, try to stay as objective as possible? <laughs> yeah, so what I tend to do is kind of build my lineups first and see um, without looking at any other projections or ownership. Um, and then I'll kind of look at the news and – then I'll check out some ownership projections and see if any of the guys I have are like extremely high or if there are there are guys that are projected for like 40 percent that I don't have in in my lineups. And I'll, I'll say, hmm, like I never thought about this guy. Why is he 40 percent owned? Because um, a lot of times you'll see these ownership projections and there are guys that are <laughs> you know, 40, 35, 40% owned. Like, I don't understand sometimes like what the reason is. Yeah. It's, it's like, they just expect this, this guy's going to smash for, for what? Like, I I don't, (laughs) I don't, I don't know how the, I'm I'm trying to figure out how the projection systems work. Yeah. Um, It's, it's difficult, man. Cause like, there's also sometimes where I'm like, this guy, it looks like so good on paper. And then I get into the GPP or whatever. I'm like, oh, this guy's gonna have like you know, 20% ownership at least, and it's like he's at like 5% ownership. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, I'm not always right there, but I'm like, I'm always happy. I'm like, oh, shoot, okay. 
nobody decided to have this guy. So, so I think it's, um, you know, I don't know the, I'd like to get somebody that like works with projections, like is, you know, those sites that give you like, Oh, this is the projected ownership and like, you know, pick their brain as to like, why do you think this is going to be the ownership there? Like, where do you get that data from? Cause it's like, it's future data, right? It's like, you can't, and it's human data too. Cause you can't decide like, humans are notoriously unpredictable so you can't decide like this person just because all these factors are good then a lot of people are going to roster them hey guys keith here i just want to take a moment to thank each and every one of you for listening to the dfs today pod this nba season we have a whole new crew and we're super excited for the playoffs and beyond as we continue to offer our subscribers more and more as we continue to build this thing up if you don't already have the dfs pass it's one of the cheapest subscriptions out there. Five bucks. Seriously. You can't even buy a meal with that these days. Go to sportsethos.com, subscribe, and give us a chance to wow you this season. So sign up today, get familiar, and you'll be primed to take down the big one next season with us over here at Sports Ethos. All right, man. So let's talk about, like, you know, um, there are slates, obviously, when it's, especially when it's, like, a few games on the slate. You know, you have, like, three, four, five games on the slate where there's, like, um, you know, three, four, five guys, maybe even that you can consider chalk, right? It's like yeah. these guys definitely know. Uh, we know that these guys are going to be highly owned. Do you fade all of those guys? Do you fade one, two? I mean, you know, when you're in that kind of situation, where where do you draw the line? I mean, are you just going to go completely contrarian, or um, are you going to mostly follow the field and maybe just switch up one or two guys? I think when there's the slate is really small, we have these like four game five game slates on like Thursdays or Tuesdays. Uh, all the ownership projections are going to be elevated because there's less games. And I think you just need to consider that. And so they say, Oh, there's, you know, there's four or five guys that are all over 40%. It's like, well, you know, that's not so bad actually when you consider how many games are playing and how many players are available. So a lot of times I'll, I'll look at it and say, well, you know, this is pretty warranted, you know, that these four or five guys are over 40 percent, 50 percent on those slates. The ownership percentages are going to be really high because there's obviously less players to choose from. But typically what I do is I'll look at it and say, OK, these are the four or five highest owned players. Um, which ones? don't I want to play and I'll you know I'll choose maybe two or three of them that I like or perhaps I'll leave out I'll I'll pick the highest owned guy because that's just the best play uh but the next two ownership per, uh, percentages I'll leave those guys out mm-hmm. and then I'll just go from there um I think there's just there's a fine line when you're deciding how many of the top 10 owned players you're going to, you're going to choose from. Um, and also, you know, it depends on the contest you're in, but if you're playing a big GPP, like, like I play and, and like you play, uh, you know, some of those guys are going to be in the winning lineup, but definitely not all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, so I'll, if, and if the percentages are all similar, say that say the top five owned guys are all within like I don't know seven 
six, seven percent of each other. Um, you just kind of got to pick, right? Right. It's the important part is that who who are the players that everyone's pairing with those guys? Um, because those guys are going to be like twenty percent owned, yeah. but everyone, but majority of the people like a cash lineup are going to be have the same players because a lot of those people are using optimizers. So I think if you're playing, you know, the four or five highest owned guys and you find, you know, two or three that are like less than 10% owned is the strategy that I kind of like to look, look at or um, go that route. Uh, If there are guys that I have that are, I'm playing that are over, you know, 50% or 60%, like, for example, tonight, um, you know, I had I had Sandro and <laughs> and and Russell both, um, you know, and they were both over fifty percent owned um, in the contest I was in. But I made sure that I had uh, a couple other guys that were less than ten percent to right. kind of balance it out. So yeah, it's all about balance um, when you're dealing with ownership. Um, but there are certain guys that I just won't play, um, <laughs> depending on the night, uh, especially if the ownership is just not warranted based on my own research. Yeah. Not actually on that one. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't think, you know, I think I always have to consider people, but I do very quickly rule out guys like, like usually I, I hate to pick out the same name here, but like, you know, when Westbrook was, was more of a TFS play uh, with the Lakers, but the guys being on, he still is with the Clippers sometimes, but um, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that I, it's easy for me to rule out. But I just don't, I don't, how do I put this? It's not, you know, it's easy for me to see him being pulled from the game because he's just not giving the value uh, on the floor that the team needs. So that's the reasoning for, for, for me being like, you know what, do I really want to invest, you know, uh, this percentage of my, of my salary into a guy like that? It's just, it just he feel, feels too volatile to me. Right. It's like, if you look at this as like an investment type thing, it's like you're, you're investing in this and you're investing in a very volatile stock and you know, it could work out for you. And, you know, uh, taking those risks, especially those large field GPPs makes sense, but it's not a risk when everybody's, you know, when he's 40% owned. I mean, that's, that's just not the risk. Um, the risk would be to fade him. That, that's that's the risk there. So um, that's kind of where, where my, my end goes with that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, there are definitely a, a, some guys that, you know, when it comes around to the time where it's like, you need to roster this guy because he's going to be in there. It's like, I'll, I'll hold my nose and, and do it. Um, let's talk about star players, though. You know, there's times where it's very obvious that a star player is going to be the top guy on the slate. And so, like, it's very difficult First off, it's very difficult to fade that no matter what format you're playing because if your guy, you know, if that guy scores 60, 70 DK points and every other top priced guy, you know, gets in the 50 range, you don't have that top score. I mean, just losing a lot of chance at at getting that top spot that you're looking for, I think. Um, I mean, it depends on the salaries, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if it's an 11K guy, that's the top guy and uh, everyone else is 8K, then, you know, obviously, then you can obviously go a different direction. But, you know, if everyone's similarly priced, you know, is it, uh, I mean, are, are there situations where you find yourself saying, you know what, I'm not going with that top guy. I really just don't see it happening. I mean, like what makes you, what makes you said, you know, you, your, your own research um, 
makes you go away from certain guys. So in your own research, what would make you go away from a guy like that? I guess that's my question here. Um, well, one thing is who can I fit in the lineup yeah, with that guy? Right. Yeah. So you're, we're talking about guys like Giannis, Jokic, yeah. Embiid, right. and, you know, possibly Doncic if he ever plays again. <laughs> uh, but these guys that can score 80 points, right, um, on nights where they may outscore the next guy by 20. <laughs> but it's like, okay, well, if he's, you know, Giannis has been priced over 12000 the past few games. If he's $12,000 and I can't really fit and I have to play, you know, two guys that are under 4K that are garbage – like, you know, are those are those other guys going to get 20 points? Is, yeah. is the question to to actually win the slate. Right. Um. So it's it's just kind of who who can I balance this guy with, um, in to order to make it valid. Um, mm-hmm. and if it's, you know, if he's uh scores 80 and you don't have him. You know, there's a good chance you're you're not gonna possibly win the GPP, um, but you know you can still get there in other ways um, because, as you know, a lot has to go right. Yeah. <laughs> in order for you to hit that top spot. Very true. Um, and you got to get lucky, and mm. you know, say a Giannis is, you know, I don't know. Six is has somebody that expensive ever been that high owned? You know, say he's if he's the only one on the slate playing, these other guys aren't playing tonight, and he's twelve thousand and he scores eighty eighty DraftKings points. Yeah. Um, and he's I don't know sixty percent owned, seventy percent owned maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, you just. If you don't have them, you 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 might not win. But who knows? Maybe maybe you can still put together a balanced lineup that that comes pretty close. Yeah, uh, I think you know for someone like me, it's like that's and in, in you know I'm not playing a whole lot of lineups for that's kind of like what I know what that top guy's going to be. That's kind of a relief for me because I'm like you know what I'm just going to lock him in. And see what I can build around him and see if I like that lineup. Just like you said, you know, it's like, uh, okay, lock him in. Let's see what, you know, going down the rest of the roster, what what else can I get in there? And if I can make a decent roster around him, then, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm only entering one lineup usually uh, in a single GPP. Obviously, that's all I can enter. Uh, or if I'm just throwing it into a large field just to see, you know, where I end up. I mean, that just gives me an instant, you know, there's your free square. And now now use your brain to, to fill in the rest of it. So, for me, it, it's it's really hard. I almost never fade the top guy or, the, you know, you know, if Jalen Brown's out, I'm playing Tatum. You know, it's like there's, there's it's easy for me to do that because unless, you know, I mean, maybe maybe you have a site where it's like, you know, Kawhi is out. So Paul George is, is chalk and then you've got uh, Tatum out. And so, you know, Jalen Brown's chalk. So it's like now you've got a choice between that, that guy or the other. And obviously you need to do your own mental calculus there. Maybe you can get both guys. Maybe if you do get both guys, you're like you said. If you find yourself forcing yourself to put guys in your lineup that you're just not comfortable with or you're just not confident that they're going to hit the bare minimum for you, hit a, hit a decent floor for you, that's where you can just kind of say, you know what, everyone might have this chalk and maybe they have 
these 4K guys and under the the or in their pockets that they're playing, but I just don't see it. And uh, that's a good way to win. I mean, that's I think that's a really uh, decent point there. Uh, but here's here's something I want to run by you, Tim, because yeah, for me, I feel like um, I've been more successful in FanDuel, and I feel like the big reason for that is because it's just way more clear when you can pivot and when to, when to fade people because of the it's way more of a rigid you know structure with the with the um, positions. You know, they've got centers, but right. power forwards, small forwards. Whereas with DraftKings, you've got multiple positions for, for guys. So there's just a lot more flexibility there, which people like when they play, which I, I understand that completely. But for me, it just makes it a lot easier to say. Uh, the one, the one I'll, I'll give you an example. The one GPP that I, I hit on big uh, a couple months ago, that was because everyone and their mother was playing Nasri because Gobert was out. And there's you can only play one center on FanDuel, which is a big – that's one big thing I think you can take advantage of if you're – you know, casual player or someone that doesn't play a whole lot of lineups, kind of like me. Um, you know, center position on FanDuel is one to really focus on. Um, so I played Jokic. I played Jokic at night. Had a really good game. Nasri had a good game too. Like, he think he had like 30, 40 DK, or, um, uh, FanDuel points. Like, you know, good. And he was only like 4 or 5K, right? But Jokic ended up being the top scorer on the slate. Like, he had like 79, 85 or something like that. Somewhere in the, crazy like that uh, on FanDuel. So I ended up like... 17th out of you know 25,000 30,000 whatever it was right a huge field. yeah and uh and won, won a good bit of money and so you know but it just it made it easy for me because I said you know what I know everyone's gonna have Nas Reed. I love Nas Reed as, as a basketball watcher and uh just in general I hope he ends up in a spot where he can start and everything like that but um but Jokic was sitting right there for me and I'm like you know what he could be the top scorer and he ended up having like I think it was like three percent ownership or five percent like somewhere in there it's like three to five percent ownership which is absolutely crazy so i so let me just you know ask you that you know for for these purposes and what we're talking about here when we're talking about fading the field i mean it's a little easier on fanduel right yeah for sure i definitely agree with you i think a lot of times we're talking about you were talking about these high profile guys the most expensive guys the guys who can put up 80 I feel like the ownership on those guys is never really that high. It, it mm-hmm. can, depending on the slate and how big it is. But a lot of times when those guys really hit their ceiling, no, they're unowned mm-hmm. or very low owned or, you know, 10, 15 percent. It's these it's these other guys that people react to the news. So so crazy, like like the Nas Reed news, mm-hmm. like go bears out. Oh, he crushes. It's like, yeah, well, yeah he does really well sometimes, but. You know, is he is he going to hit his ceiling or is he just going to do is he going to do OK? You know, mm-hmm. like I think the when you can have leverage like that, playing a guy who has a massive ceiling when everyone else, especially on FanDuel, when it's just that one position mm-hmm. where you can really separate yourself because um, the ownership is definitely always uh, chalkier on on FanDuel because of the position right. uh, limits. Um. You know, I think that's a great time to f- fade the field yeah. uh, when there is another player uh, that has a higher ceiling. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we're talking about Jokic and you're, you're projecting. Well, I wasn't even projecting him. I, I did not expect him to have 3 to 5% ownership. You know, maybe he'll have 7, 8, 9, 10% ownership. It was a pretty large slate, but uh, I ended up stacking the Bulls. Wolves game and having Jokic and like all that was pretty low owned. Um, so that was a really good night for me, but um, you know, how many Bulls I, games do you stack? Oh no, I don't, I don't do that often, but Bulls Wolves, 
There's no defense in that game. Early in the season, there's no defense in that game. Uh, I knew that was going to be a, a barn burner. I ended up having, I had think had Anthony Edwards and Levine and uh, maybe DeRozan also. So I, I was stacking those puppies. But th- that's impossible. I couldn't have had that because then I had Jokic. So I don't remember what happened. You're but. a huge Bulls fan. He's got his Bulls yeah. hat on now for all the people listening. <laughs> oh, they know that. They're they're aware of that. Um, but no, I don't play a lot of Bulls. I did I did tonight. I played Levine, and that didn't work out so well. He shot like three, four of fourteen from the field or something crazy like that. No, but, yeah, he started very slow. Yeah, he was he was garbage. Anyways, uh, and they, they lost by a terrible throw last second three. But uh, anyways, Tim, um, you know that kind of covers our topic there. But like just in general, I mean, you know, we don't get to have you in the pod, you know, very often. Obviously, this is a one time thing basically at this point. I mean, I hope you'll come back on, but. Um, but, you know, just kind of while we have you, are there any, you know, general DFS tips you want to share with the, the listeners here that, um, you know, have helped you be successful? Yeah. Um, the one, the main thing is, uh, when you win big, don't change your process and, yeah. <laughs> and don't change your strategy. Mm-hmm. So many times I've had huge wins and the following, uh, few nights, I've just bet a lot more because <laughs> my bankroll is much higher. Yeah. And uh, when you do that, when you really don't have that much cushion um, and you go out of your element, you can really lose your money fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the, that's the one number one tip I would give everybody is that when you do win, uh, stay humble at least for a while <laughs> um, before you really go overboard with your bankroll or you'll you'll be back to zero in, in no time and hitting that deposit button yeah Free yeah if you guys um button. if you guys are in the wager pass i know that's something that um guys like mike fiddle uh and uh you know blake will watch you know, guys that are in that wager pass that are talking to you guys um bankroll management is a huge thing so that's a good point uh tim absolutely i mean uh, and, and you know what? I, I'll go ahead and call myself out because I'm guilty of it, too. I had some really big hits earlier in the season, maybe a few months ago. Uh, I mean, I'm still like double what I what I initially invested in this NBA season at this point, which is really good. Like very good. Um, have no complaints. But I could be uh, quadruple or even more, more than that. But, yeah, I put some big bets down. Um, some teams that um, the Sixers, I don't know what it is about the Sixers and me. Anytime I bet the Sixers, they crap the bed and I hate you Sixers. I hate you Joel Embiid. I hope you don't win MVP um, because for some reason they never come through for me. I bet I like, I can't remember who they were playing, but they were like negative 700 to win. And I was like, you know what? I've got this giant bankroll now and I've no doubt in my mind they're going to win this game. And of course they lost by like five points or something like that. And I was just like, Oh my God, I like took a wash on that and like lost half of my winnings for the season already. And, uh, and that was early in the season, but yeah, I'm guilty of it too. That's what I want to say. I want to say like, it's a very human thing to be like, you know what? I'm seeing these big numbers and I'm going to move this up and, and just, you know, bet a little bit more and try to really, you know, get this thing snowballing. And uh, that's just not the way to go. So I love, I love that. That's a really good solid piece of advice there. Um, bankroll management. Yeah. <laughs> your head on your shoulders yeah go ahead <laughs> yeah the uh the next thing i'd say I'll, I'll give you three the the next the next thing i'll say um is trusting your own instincts and and your own research now if you don't want to do any research there are plenty of sites that do it for you and can give you picks and plays and stuff mm-hmm. uh, but so many times i've done my own research and had plays ready to go uh and then i listen to other stuff and i allow it to infiltrate my brain and, and right. convince me that I should be doing that too. Um, 
and in the end it's it's you know come back to bite me in the butt pretty often um where i go off of my research and follow others um so don't don't be a follower do your own research if you if you have the time and you really want to be a winner um learn how to research and and do it yourself um and you'll feel uh much better when you actually win Mm -hmm. that um that you accomplish that on your own um so that was the second thing and the third thing is um more of a game specific is uh one thing i like to do um that i do every day when i do my research is is look at the game totals Mm -hmm. um and see what's the highest total because a lot of times projections come from vegas and come from the totals and things Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always a player, a good player from games with high totals that people just aren't rostering for some reason mm-hmm. because there are other chalkier plays that look great. Right. Um, and just one example from this evening, uh, I had a couple lineups tonight, but one lineup I had D'Angelo Russell in it, and we talked about him yeah. for a while and about how further along in the day I, I realized that maybe it wasn't the best play um but i was able to grab steph curry in a lineup mm-hmm. because i realized you know he's the best player on that team this game actually has a really high total um i think it might have been the second or highest total on the slate um mm-hmm. the clippers and, and warriors um but for some reason you know maybe it's not the best matchup um but, you know, he's the best player on that Warriors team and has, you know, a really high ceiling. Um, and it, pay, it paid off. He yeah. he had over 40 points tonight. I don't know what he finished the final numbers. You said the game was still going on. But yeah. um, he was less than 10% owned. Right. Uh, and so, you know, make sure you you look at those lines when you're doing your research and Oof. and try to find, uh, find guys like, like a Curry or – um, you know, Kawhi or other players that have those high ceilings that people are, are kind of off of because he, he was expensive tonight. Yeah. Uh, he was over 10 K. Yeah. Um, but he has that ceiling, uh, and yeah. in a game environment like that, um, being overlooked is, is the time that you want to get those players. It's easy to gloss over those guys because it's like, uh, you know, oh, yeah, obviously that, that matchup's not good. Yeah, I, I was uh, sorry for all the noises I'm making here, but he had 50, he had a 50 burger, 50 points on 20 of 28 shooting. That's just. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. 68. Yeah. And they, but here's the kicker that they lost 50 points on 20 of 28 shooting, and they lost. That's the kicker <laughs> to me. Uh, that's but just crazy. You look at that, the, it had the highest total of the night and yeah. 134, 126, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and just to kind of piggyback off of that, I mean, if you guys, um, I I think just to kind of combine those two points and just speak to that, uh, yeah, do your own research, absolutely, have your own brain, I love that, that's that's absolutely key. Um, If you do have access to these services, you know, you're in Sports Ethos, you're in the DFS pass or wager pass or whatever, um, or whatever service you use, you know, there's a lot lot of them out there, obviously. Um, I think one of the benefits of that is that you do have access also to, to the Sharps, right? So it's like, if you know people are betting overs on games, you want to go ahead and look at those a little bit more heavily. If they're betting unders on games, maybe you want to fade those games a little bit more. Uh, and don't don't follow it like the Bible, but 
um, you know, if if a sharp better, somebody that has made money on the NBA betting and knows the indicators and knows where to, to go is betting the over on a game, it's a pretty good chance that's good, that game's going to go over. It's better than 50% chance, usually. Um, and so, like, you know, I know, I believe Fiddle was betting the over on this uh, Warriors-Clippers game. I, I believe he was. Uh, and, and if you don't have access to the sharps like that, you don't have uh, access to, to any of that, you can just go to, you know, looking at the the opening lines and seeing where they shift throughout the day. And you'll you'll know that at that point because that's usually uh, a good indicator as well. So, um, so yeah. But knowing that also is is beneficial, I think, because then you can know, hey, this is a good game environment, or this maybe this is an underrated game gaming environment. You know, maybe it starts at two twenty and it takes up to two thirty two point five for the game total. That you know that leads you to, that would lead me to believe that there are some players in that game that people are going to overlook because they're not just, just not aware that that's going to be a higher scoring game. Than, uh, than most people think. So just kind of my two cents on that as well. Um, but yeah, I love those points, Tim. Tim, it has been a pleasure, man. Uh, thank you for coming on and speaking to this uh, you know, topic with me. And uh, I hope I have you on again, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks thanks for having me on. I definitely uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Um, would love to come back when it, whenever you need a, a guest. Absolutely, man. And uh, hey, Tim, let's, uh, let our good listeners know here where they can find you and your work, man. I want to give you a chance to promote all the stuff you're doing. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Timmy Spiros is my handle. Um, I give out free picks and analysis every day. And then uh, I also have a Patreon. It's just patreon.com slash Spiros Bros Fantasy Sports, where I have uh, player pools for uh, MLB and NBA, uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, and also detailed analysis for all the player props uh, that I bet every day. Absolutely. And you guys know me, I'm at BSVP Keith on Twitter, and uh, we will definitely be tweeting this show out with uh, with Tim's uh, Twitter handle, so definitely follow him there and his profile. You should be able to find that Patreon account. But uh, in the meantime, guys, and until next time, go get that money. <laughs>